0: coming up now and Established in the Faith. And Samson has the opportunity of a lifetime. While he is sitting there with all these people and the table is spread, he has a testimony that nobody else has, and he wastes it. Instead of him telling the people what God did for him, he riddles the people. Have your Bibles this morning, turn with me, please, to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14, move down, if you will, to verse 10. Judges 14, verse 10. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him. "...that they brought thirty companions to be with him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If you can certainly declare it within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you thirty sheets and thirty change of garments. But if you cannot declare it to me, then shall ye give thirty sheets and thirty change of garments." And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. And I just want to stop right there and use for a subject this morning, preaching a few minutes. Riddled by Samson. Much of Christianity is riddled By Samson. We just don't know what to do with him. God gave this man an amazing gift of superhuman strength. To deliver Israel from the dominion of the Philistines. And yet this man uses this gift to get himself out of situations that a child of God shouldn't have been involved in to start with. And we don't understand that. We don't know how to deal with that. And as I've stated several times in this series, and no doubt we'll say it many times more, if, if, if God waited to use perfect people to accomplish His work, nothing would get done. Samson was a godly man. He was raised by godly parents. The angel of the Lord appeared unto his mother and told her that she would bring forth a son and that he was to be a Nazarite from his birth, which meant he was not to eat any great products. He was not to eat anything unclean. He was not to touch a dead body. And he was not to cut his hair. That was the Nazarite vow. And his parents raised him... According to this particular vow, but at a particular point in time, Samson had to make a choice. He had to make a decision for himself to consecrate himself to God and dedicate himself to this Nazarite vow, which he did. But Samson had some problems. And we see these problems early on. Samson, as a, as a teenage boy coming into manhood, he desires this Philistine woman, which God had forbidden Israel to marry outside the nation of Israel. And, but Samson desires this Philistine woman. This right here is a type of the world out here that reaches out after the child of God temptation, that pull of the world that pulls you in. And Samson wanted this woman, went to mom and daddy and said, get her for me, because the custom in those days was for the parents to make the wedding arrangements and so forth. And they tried to talk him out of it, but Samson had his mind made up. He was going to have that Philistine woman. So now here they all go down to Timnath. And four times in the first ten verses of this chapter, you'll see the Holy Spirit use the word down. He went down, they went down, down, down. You'll see that word down being used. Whenever you set yourself against what God has said in His Word, and you start making efforts to do that which is against God, you are going down spiritually. And Samson and his parents go down to Timnath. And while his parents are making arrangements which ought not to have been made, Samson goes off to view the countryside and he comes into this vineyard. Now why is Samson going into a vineyard? His Nazarite vow forbids him to eat any kind of great products, but there he is now in the midst of a bunch of grapes. What is that? It's a type of the child of God who wants to see just how close to the world you can get without getting burned. And as a lot of you under the sound of my voice today, that fits you to a T. Let me ask you a question. Are you greater than Samson? The Bible says that while Samson was in that vineyard where he had no business, a lion roared out after him. The Bible tells us that the devil's like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. God's got that devil on a leash though. He can only go so far. But let me tell you something. When you try to brush up close to the world and see how close you can get, you meet the devil halfway and you're setting yourself up for an attack of the enemy. By the grace of God, Samson killed that lion with his bare hands. What a testimony. That lion roared out after him and something came up inside of him he'd never felt before. The first time this gift would be experienced in his life was against a roaring lion. By the grace of God, he defeated that line. He didn't tell mom and daddy about it. Some of your parents need to listen to me this morning. Your kids are going through some things and they don't want you to know about it. You better be involved in the lives of your kids and know what's going on. Just because they're in church and they're reading the Bible and they're listening to Christian music and, and, and they pray, don't think they're exempt from the attack of the enemy. We're all, not none of us are exempt from an attack of the enemy. Yeah, it's true, Samson was in the wrong place at the wrong time and the lion roared out after him. But I know the devil can roar out after you sitting right here in the church house. Some of you nodding off to sleep while I'm trying to preach. Oh, that's the devil. That's the devil of slumber and sleep. Samson and his parents, to go back home after the arrangements have been made. They come back a short time later and they're going down to Timnath now. They're going to have this wedding. And they're going down the road, and Samson says, Y'all go on ahead. I'll meet up with you later. And he goes over there to where he had that battle with the lion. And he sees an old dead lion carcass laying there. It was a memory of what had happened some months before. And let me tell you this there's nothing wrong with looking back on past victories. There's nothing wrong with looking back. And I remember when that, when that, when that situation was going on and it like took me out. But thank God, the grace of God saved me. And there's nothing wrong with looking back. But he saw honey in the carcass of that lion. And it's a reminder to us that no matter how bad the situation may be, God can take a bad situation and bring something good out of it. Are you listening to me? No matter how bad your situation is, God knows how to take that thing, turn it around, and bring something good out of it. He works all things for the good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. What a testimony Samson has. And the Bible says that he prepared a feast. He made a feast for the people, Judges 14 and verse 10. A seven-day feast. Now this tells us something about Samson's family. That his family was quite wealthy to be able to put forth food and to feed all of these people. They had to be wealthy to do this. And I submit to you today, the church is wealthy today, spiritually speaking. We might not have a lot of money that comes into this church, but what we have here, spiritually speaking, is worth everything. There's a many a one in hell today that would love to sit here where you're at today and hear this message so that they could accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, but it's too late for them. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that we have a treasure In earthen vessels. You have the treasure of the gospel inside of you. You have information that has eternal consequences to the world out here. What are you doing with your treasure? Are you harboring it up for yourself? Or are you sharing it with others? The church is quite wealthy. We don't realize it. We don't realize how good we got it. And the table is spread for these Philistines. I thank God for the opportunity that I have to come and spread the table for you every week to come here and hear the Word of God preached. I thank God for the table. He's put leaves in the table and He has extended it out to where half of eastern North Carolina can hear this message that I'm giving to you today. I thank God for what He's doing through and by the internet. I thank God for what He's doing through and by the CD ministry. God only knows how many thousands of people out there today can hear this Word that I'm bringing to you today. Thank God I'm able to set a table for people to hear the Word of God. God, help me to bring forth a gospel, a true gospel that is able to save men's souls. I pray that God will give me a word that will give you a nutritious spiritual diet each week. It makes me sick to my stomach when I flip over television and I watch preachers up there wasting valuable airtime telling people how to get rich and how to be a better you. Giving a cream puff Cotton candy gospel to the people. Lord, help me spread the table each week. And Samson has the opportunity of a lifetime. While he is sitting there with all these people and the table is spread, he has a testimony that nobody else has. And he wastes it. Instead of him telling the people what God did for him with that line and how the power of God came on him and telling them about the one true God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he riddles the people. Judges 14 verse 12. He said, I will put forth a riddle unto you. Riddles in those days we're a form of entertainment. God help us today. Our churches are more interested in entertaining people than they are preaching the gospel. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you're under the sound of my voice today and you're saved and you're living for God and you love God and, and you hear me preach or any other preacher for that matter, you may be entertained. But some churches, that's all they do is entertainment from the time you walk in the door to the time you leave and the people are emotionally titillated but they're not spiritually edified. Because the true gospel of Jesus Christ does not come forth and sin is not dealt with. When the church seeks more to entertain the people than to spiritually edify the people, we're gambling with their soul. And that's what Samson does here. He's gambling. Let's look at it. Judges 14, verse 12. Samson said, I'll put forth a riddle to you. If you figure it out in seven days, I'll give you 30 change of garments. If not, then you give me 30 change of garments. What's that? That's gambling. Let me read this to you. Billy Graham. For the believer in Jesus Christ... There should be no appeal to take part in gambling. Gambling clearly breaks several biblical principles which are central to a Christian's way of life. A Christian lifestyle is one that expresses faith in the loving care and provision of Almighty God, not in chance or luck, Matthew 6:33. A Christian seeks to love his neighbor not to profit from a loss by someone else. A Christian seeks to avoid every form of greed and covetousness and to be content with what he has. Hebrews 13, verse 5. In addition, a Christian realizes that everything he possesses has been given in stewardship by God and should only be used in a way that honors him. Signing up or registering for a free gift is not gambling. It merely puts a person in a position to receive something that is to be given away. And this is the donor's way of selecting the recipient. However, in the case of gambling, a person is taking chances with hard-earned money. Billy Graham goes on to say, Gambling is nowhere approved in the Bible. Instead, the Bible stresses that the Christian should earn his living by honest work and effort, and should exclude relying on chance. Second Thessalonians 3 verses 10 through 12. The Bible tells us to abstain from all appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5:22. Gambling has often done untold evil to people by making them lose money that could have been used for good purposes or even the necessities of life. Money is given to us by God to be used for good, not evil. Anyone seeking to do God's will should not be involved in gambling. Gambling is also wrong because of the motives involved. Some people gamble for thrills and excitement. Others gamble because they have a greedy and covetous attitude about money. Some gamble out of a false belief in luck. All of these motives are wrong for the Christian, for they are all self-centered and materialistic. Passages in the Bible which warn against greed and covetous are Exodus 20, verse 15. Exodus 20, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 10 and Colossians 3 and verse 5. A person who struggles with a gambling addiction and resulting in troubles should seek help immediately, preferably from a local gospel preaching pastor or a qualified professional Christian counselor. Samson was gambling. And I'm talking about a man of God. What makes it even worse? He was not only gambling for materialistic things, but he was gambling with the souls of these people. And let me tell you this. If you'll look there in verse 13, Judges chapter 14, these Philistines said, now listen to this now, put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. These people had itching ears. And just as it was then, it's the same today. We've got people who've got itching ears. They want to come to church and hear how good they are. But this is what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. He said, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. These Philistines had itching ears. And we've got a lot of churches out here today that are looking pastors, but they want a pastor that will preach what they tell them to preach. Let me tell you this. You don't tell me what to preach. I preach what he tells me to preach. And if you like it, fine. If you don't like it, well, that'll just be fine too. I'm going to preach what he tells me to preach, and sometimes I'm going to step on them toes a little bit. All right, let's look at the riddle. Judges 14, verse 14. Out of the eater came forth meat, out of the strong came forth sweetness, and they could not in three days expound the riddle. Sansom would have done these people a great service had he given these people a true testimony of what God had done for him concerning this line. But instead, he tried to entertain the people and gain something from it. Well, they figured it out. They got his wife and said, Look, if you don't find out the meaning of this riddle, we're going to burn you and all your father's house. So she pestered him. Bible says she wept before him. She laid sore upon him and kept asking him the meaning of this riddle. And finally he came forth and told her the meaning of it. And then she went back and told them. And then they come back and told Samson the meaning of the riddle, and boy, he was angry; he was upset now this is, now this is one of the things that riddles us now about Samson, riddled by Samson. I want you to look down now in verse nineteen, judges fourteen verse nineteen, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew. Thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle. Why would God send His Spirit upon Samson to kill all these people to pay a gambling debt? Why? Was God condoning gambling? No, He was not. Well, let me help you with something here. Samson was a judge. He was the 14th judge of Israel. And part of his call of God was to enter into war against the enemies of Israel. And part of that job incorporated killing people. And I have to believe that the people he went after had it coming. They were evil, wicked, ungodly people. And Samson went after them. But wait a minute. When you do the right thing, but your motives is wrong, we've got a problem. And Samson went after these people out of anger, not because God told him to do it. Did he do the will of God? Yes, he did. Because these people had it coming. But he did it out of anger. And we've got to be careful when we do the right thing, but our motive is wrong, see. And the Holy Spirit come upon Samson more as a restraint than to help him kill these people. Oh, good grace and mercy. How many under the sound of my voice today, if it wasn't for the restraining power of the Holy Spirit within your heart and life, there ain't no telling what you'd do. We don't understand that. We don't understand how Samson can do this thing and the Spirit of God come on him. And help him do it. The Holy Spirit was helping to hold him back. Not to push him forward. And what kind of trouble would you have got in if it weren't for the restraining power of the Holy Spirit within your heart and life? How many times did somebody say something to you, and you were just right ready to give them five If it weren't for the restraining power of the Holy Spirit, you would have. Or you said some things, but you really wanted to do a lot more. I know of several in this church, I've seen a big change in their lives since I've come here. There was a time when they would get up and say some things, but now there's restraint there that wasn't there before. What's that? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. As they've given their hearts and lives over to the Lord and they've dedicated themselves a little bit more to the Lord, there's more restraint there as it pertains to certain things. And if you're riddled by Samson this morning, don't be. Because really there's no difference between Samson and yourself. Because Samson is a type